Welcome into the Wrestling with Legends podcast. I am your host, Vince McKee. We're here on the beautiful outside deck. We have opened them up for the summer, the outside studios of Keon Sports, a beautiful backdrop here. And we are excited for our first interview of the early summer, late spring, however you want to say it, with Ahmed Johnson, real name Tony Norris. Let's get into the phone and get underway. Well, welcome to the show, uh, Mr. Norris, uh, known by wrestling fans everywhere as Ahmed Johnson. Welcome in, and uh, how are you today? I'm doing good. How about you? Pretty good. Um, excited to talk with you. It's uh, as I've said in the past, our show we you know we have on NFL players, NBA players, and uh, you know Major League Baseball, MMA fighters. But really, for me, my most exciting times is when we have on professional wrestlers. I have to tell you here, I'm a lifelong fan, so it's an honor to speak with you. Thank you, brother. Oh, absolutely. So we'll just start. We'll start right from the top here. You know, kind of quickly. Do you feel that if injuries didn't get in the way, you you could have had a long term career in the NFL? Yeah, I definitely could have. Is it something that you know? Um, it, it was was it hard to accept when the, when uh, you had a you know I don't want to use the word retire from the NFL, but kind of give up that dream. Yeah, it, it was real tough, man. But I wouldn't expect it. It kind of came out the blue. You know, it 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 was uh, one door closing, another door opening, right? So this puts you into the world eventually of professional wrestling, where you know after a few years you ended up with the the WWF at the time, and you were given the name Ahmed Johnson, and you were billed to be from a city called Pearl River, Mississippi, which I don't think a lot of people have ever even heard of. Who kind of came up with the name Ahmed Johnson, and why Pearl River, Mississippi? Vince came up with it, and why? I've never even been to Mississippi, so I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't know Mississippi would hit me in the face. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people would. You know, we're, we're up here in Northeast Ohio, so we're uh, we're pretty far away from that ourselves. Um, <clears throat> only a few months into your run, though, with WWE, you had already slammed Yokozuna, right? They put you into a Survivor Series match alongside Shawn Michaels, Scott Hall, um, you know, some of the biggest names in the company. Why do you feel you received such a huge push so early on? Um, I think Vince liked the way I was building. The intensity that I had was, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't match that. Even today they try to match that intensity, and they can't find it. The closest they come to, I should say, was Brock Lesnar. Yeah, I would have to completely agree with that assessment. So... I have to ask you a question. A lot of the questions will be, you know, very professional here. Gotta kind of ask you a silly one right off the bat, though. How heavy was Yokozuna? Oh man, Yoko was in like almost the seven hundreds then. Did you pick him up, man? It was like picking up a Volkswagen. <laughs> God, I believe it. How do you train for something like that? You just work out in the weight room, man, and you know, build your body up to it. Because when when we did it. Uh, everybody, they would tell the new guy coming in that I was getting this big push, and most of the boys were very jealous. And uh, Yoko was one of them. So I remember I went and told Yoko what Vince wanted me to do. And Yoko said, well, I hope you can get me up because I'm not going to jump for you. And he did just that, man. He didn't jump at all. That was pure strength, getting him up. That's incredible. That's incredible. At, you know, WrestleMania 12, and everybody knows the WWE and Vince McMahon, they build everything around that WrestleMania show. 
they put you on the opening match, you know, alongside, you know, Jake Roberts, and you're in this, um, you know, a pretty big match right off the bat at WrestleMania. One of the guys standing across from you in the ring was, I still call him Big Van Vader, but in WWF he was Vader. How physical How physical was he? Because a lot of people have said, you know, wrestling against him was very difficult because of just how brutal and physical he was. Well, you know, my best match was with Vader, and let me tell you why. It's because he told me before we went out, he was like, brother, I'm going to lay him in there, so I don't mind you hitting me back. You know, you lay yours in there too. But the fact that he told me that he was going to do it, and I thought he was joking until I got in, put in the corner and he started hitting me with them arm shots he does. And, brother, he laid them in there big time. But I, I love wrestling somebody like that, man. That, that made my day. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible for the fans to watch that, too, because it has that genuine, authentic feeling to it. You know, I have to ask you as well, on the same card, okay, <clears throat> they moved the title from Bret Hart to Shawn Michaels. Do you feel at that time, you know, get, looking back at it, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. looking back at it, do you feel that Shawn Michaels at that time was ready to carry the, the main title and, and had the maturity level to do it? Because there's a lot of stories about him being difficult to work with back then. Yeah, I, I spoke to Shane Douglas uh, about a week ago, man, and Shane was telling me how he screwed him over, you know, because him and Shane Douglas were friends in the beginning, and then um, Shawn Michaels screwed him over, man. Yeah, I mean, there, there were many times where Sean wouldn't drop the belt and he would, you know, have a, have a fake injury or some sort of crazy storyline would come up where he just wouldn't give up the belt. Well, let me tell you the story that I got back from when I was supposed to get the belt from Sean. Sean told Vince that the audience wasn't ready for a black champion. That's horrible. Yeah. So that's why I never got the belt from him. I was scared to take the belt from him. Well, the one thing you did do, which I thought was pretty unique, is they put you in what I feel to be an extremely difficult storyline. And let me explain why. Your first big singles feud that really put you over the top was against Goldust, Dustin Rhodes. Okay? You know, who pushed, they pushed a lot of the wrong buttons with this guy. This was in 1996, folks. You know, everybody listening at home, I want you to understand, this is in 1996. This is not in, you know, the, the 2023 era where we live now where it seems like freaking people can do whatever the hell they want and get away with it. Back in, 90, back in 96, you know, a level of respect was still shown, but for whatever reason with Goldust, I mean, they had you give them mouth to mouth. They had this guy touch you. It was just, for a fan, I hated it. I thought it was gross. How difficult was it for you to have to put up with that kind of stuff? Well, you know, first of all, Goldust did that mouth-to-mouth without even telling me. We had rehearsed it, but it was going to be on live TV. And we rehearsed it where he puts his hand over my mouth and he kisses his hand. Like, you get mouth-to-mouth. And then he knew we were on live TV, so he thought he would, you know, play ha-ha and do it for real. So that kind of freaked me out, man. And when I got to the back, he was already gone. You know, but never take to my wrestling gold dust, man. He's one of the best performers there is out there. I I think his character and him as a wrestler is probably one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. You know, what he was able to do. Because, again, you know, he took a character that was so easy to hate 
and made people eventually cheer for him. So absolutely, absolutely agreed there. You know, really the most um, the most obvious question I'm going to ask you, and I think you probably, I think everybody probably asks is this this question here. You know, truly though, what did it feel like to become the first African American singles champion in in that company's history? Because that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that was that was a glory for me, man. Right there with you know me joining the military, that was a, a man. It was just an honor, and it was an honor in the military because I graduated most distinguished undergraduate, which was number one in my class out of two thousand soldiers. And brother, it was an honor then, and getting the Intercontinental Belt was the same honor to me. <clears throat> well, that's incredible, and and thank you for uh, serving our country. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. You know, right after that, you, do you feel like a, you know, which was a legitimate kidney injury halted what would have been a pretty good feud with Farouk because they started that in late summer 96. I remember being a kid, okay? I remember being about 14 years old and SummerSlam was coming to Cleveland, Ohio, where I live. And, and Cleveland, Ohio was going to have SummerSlam. You were billed to be on there, one of the big matches. And then you got hurt. You know how bad was that injury that kind of derailed things for a few months? Oh, it was it was bad. He ruptured my kidney big time, man. And um, he talked about it sometimes, and he finally admitted that he was jealous of me is why he did it. But you know, when you're laying down there on the ground and you open your body up to somebody, you expect them to take care of you, and that's not what he did. He came out with jealous rage and he kicked me for real. Yeah, and that's dangerous because, you know, uh, Mr. Norris, we've probably had over 50 professional wrestlers on our show over the last three summers. And the one common trait that all these professional wrestlers have told us and our fans is the respect level of each performer to protect the other performer. And you look at guys even as recently as Ryback, you know, probably a, a few years back, where the WWE wanted to give him a big push and he couldn't protect other wrestlers. He kept hurting people. So... That is clearly, you know, a, a big thing. So the question, I guess, is, you know, you come back with a lot of steam, right? You come back, you're at the Royal Rumble, you, you, uh, you're with the Nate, or excuse me, you're with the Legion of Doom at WrestleMania, which is one of the greatest tag teams of all time. So they're giving you this push, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they switch you and they turn you hill and put you with the Nation of Domination. Whose idea was that, and how did that come about? That was Vince's idea. What he did was. Like you said, he put me with the nation. And then he called us to his office. And he said, I want you to see something. And he played the tape of us walking to the ring. You know, you got to have me, comma, I guess Dumbo, I mean D'Lo. And you had Farouk. And uh, he looked at that tape and we looked at it. And he said, now who am I going to get to believe that y'all can be beat? And I seen what he was talking about. It was an awesome team, man. But to have somebody go over on us, I mean, I don't know who could have, what group could have challenged us. So he um, kind of, you know, stepped back and took a look at it again. And he said, well, I mean, I'm going to have to take you out the nation. And I'm like, man, you just put me in the nation. I mean, the fans hate me now. And you want me to go back out there and make them love me? But it worked, man. I mean, he, he did it and it worked. <laughs> Why do you think that The Rock was such a, a good choice to kind of eventually replace you? I mean, I guess the answer is obvious. He went on to be, you know, one of the greatest of all time. But at the time, he's a young kid. 
did it kind of surprise you that that was the move they made? No, not really, man, because I, I seen a lot of potential in The Rock when he was doing his thing, man. And, um, no, I mean, I think it was a good move. So one of the biggest things, again, and thank you for coming on the show. We only have a few questions left here, so we, we appreciate you very much taking the time to speak with us and our fans. You know, one of the things that really jumps out to me, and I've already touched on it, I think, two different times with, with Gold, <clears throat> Goldust taking that liberty and then Farouk, uh, you know, kicking you. You know, again, one of the biggest things is trust in your your opponent and also the booker, the promoter, the writer, however you want to put it. During this stretch, there's the, the infamous Montreal screw job. You were there that night in Montreal. What was the scene... You know, behind the scenes, were you stunned by what was happening? And did that cause you to have, like, even a little bit of mistrust for your employer? Oh, yes, it did. It made me have a whole lot of mistrust because Brett hadn't missed a match in 14 years, man. And you take somebody with that kind of, you know, credibility and you screw them, it made a big mistrust in me as far as, you know, upper management goes. But, uh, Nobody knew what was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to happen. I'm pretty sure Sean and his boys knew it was going to happen. They knew it was going to happen. But that that was a screw job, man. It really was. Were you guys all watching it backstage, watching it develop? You know what? I, I watched it, and I thought it was part of the show. I didn't know that, you know, they had promised Brett that they wouldn't put, you know, let Sean pin him in his own hometown. But they did it anyway, and it was, I mean, it was the ultimate screw job for Brett. You know, here's the the question, you know, when I first called you a few weeks ago um, that I've been dying to talk with you about. In late 1997, early 1998 with Bret Hart gone, in my humble opinion, okay, with the exception of The Undertaker, who's a legend and, you know, was always there, there were three guys who up-and-coming young, hungry guys who could have carried the company. Ken Shamrock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Ahmed Johnson. Why do you feel that Stone Cold was kind of the guy that they pushed to the moon um, over you and, and Ken Shamrock? He um, just had that believability about him, man. You know, people like that. They, they like that. And, and Stone Cold was a uh, type of guy that, you know, could get over. He got over real good once they took him away from Ted DiBiase. He got away, you know, got over his his own gimmick, and that was that was why he pushed him so much. Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, all from Texas. So, is it a safe to say that Texas has the best wrestlers ever? I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I think too, if I'm not mistaken, that that I want to say Dusty Rhodes as well. Yeah, Dustin's from Texas. That's awesome. WCW, you got Harlem Heat, yeah. and um, I don't know who else is from Texas there, but there's a lot of Texas boys there. That's uh, that that's a good point about Harlem Heat. I have, I have uh, three questions left, and that's definitely uh, that's actually one of them. I'll get to in a second, but um, you know, talking about your exit with uh, again the WWF at the time, you know, it, you had they had some crazy ass storyline where the the Truth Commission was supposed to you know, beat you up and drag you out, and it just, it didn't make any sense, you know, and then all of a sudden you were gone right after that was supposed to happen. Um, if you don't mind, you know, what, what kind of happened there at the end? Well, they were going to make the true commission hang me from a rope 
which I went down with, you know, because the, the, you know, in black history, there's been a lot of hangings and lynchings and stuff like that. So I went down with that at all. But that was their play. And um, I just couldn't get with it, man. Yeah, that's extremely racist. Yeah, extremely. Yeah. You got you know, a bunch of little black kids look up to me and you see me lynched. That, that would have been, I don't know, man. It was just a dumb move on their part. I feel like I feel like in the Attitude Era, they took a lot of liberties and felt like they could away, you know, get away with anything they wanted to do. But there were a few things that I think were over the line. <clears throat> I, I think that was definitely one of them. Um, yeah. So two two questions left for you. Uh, the second to last one, you mentioned it. I'll I'll say it again. I think a guy like Booker T uh, is one of the best physical wrestlers of all time. You know, in, in WCW, he when he finally had a chance at a singles run, he absolutely tore it up. But, you know, Vince Russo being who he is and different things in WCW being what they were at the time, kind of tried to mesh things together. They brought you in to that group. What did you feel about WCW at that time? Did it seem kind of chaotic or did it seem like they would eventually write that ship even though they never did? Well, you had your, your, your fashions like you did with the um, click in WWF, and then you had your fashion with WCW, with the NWO, and people don't realize how real that was. They really ran the show back there. But one thing I can say about WCW was the guys were a lot better to work with, and not one person in WCW complained about me being too rough or hitting too hard. I mean, I don't know if the boys were tougher in WCW or what the deal was. You know, here here we are again in, in uh, 2023. Um, I've written articles for KeonSports.com, our website. So we, you know, we have the we have the show, and we also have a website. And some of the articles I've written, um, quite frankly, Mister Norris, is about wrestlers who should be in the Hall of Fame that aren't. I believe you are one of those. And there's a lot of wrestlers who are in the Hall of Fame that I don't even think should be anywhere near it. So you know here. Yeah, I mean, you should be in it. I don't understand. Like, to me, you're a first ballot kind of guy. Like, it's a it's a damn no brainer. So for you, like, you know, is there a frustration level in there that they've completely kind of broken off communication and, and just never even offered it? Yeah, they they never even offered it. I mean, Vince was mad at me when I left, and um, he told me then that he was going to try to erase me from history. Jeez, if I didn't do what he said. And I just refuse to do it, man. That lynching thing, I just refuse to do it. You know, and it's ridiculous because, again, you know, I can say this now as as, as a 41-year-old, right? When you, when you were in the WWF um, in 98, I was like 16. And it, it's crazy, you know, 23 years have gone by. And to me, you would be every bit as popular today. Not not the age we're both at, but if you if you were to take your gimmick, your look, your style, everything about you, and put it into 2023 WWE or even AEW, I kind of feel like you would still be amazing. Like, you, you would be a top star. I mean, they don't have guys like you anymore, that that unique character. Right, you know, something they don't do anymore, they don't bring jobbers in anymore. If they bring jobbers in, man, there'd be a lot of guys out there that would have a job. But they don't bring jobbers in right now. And if you watch uh, WWE, every match seems like a main event match. I mean, you can, you know, make every one of them a main event match, and that's not good for the business. 
it cuts out the work for the you know the young jobbers and it takes away a chance of them being seen. Certainly. So so we want to go ahead here. We want to thank you again for coming on the show. Last question: How do we promote you? You know, how can fans find out where you're going to be making appearances at? Maybe buy some of your merchandise. You know, how can we continue to support Ahmed Johnson? Well, I'm, I'm doing a. Um, I got a buddy of mine doing the Instagram for me right now, and um, that's going to be up. But I'll be in Ohio within the next two months. Tremendous. Uh, do you know uh, the the promotion you'll be working for? I'm I'm not sure. Let me have my wife real quick. Yeah. When am I going to Ohio? Huh? She's looking it up right now. You know, Northeast Ohio is such a hotbed for wrestling. You know, it, to this day, a lot of major shows. We've always kind of wanted a WrestleMania to come to Cleveland. And, you know, while we have a little bit of time here before um, your wife gets back to you with that answer of the, the exact date for Ohio or promotion, I might as well throw in an, an extra bonus question. Is there anybody out there that you wanted to wrestle back then that you never had the chance? Um, you know, I, I would love to have a match with me and Scott Hall because Scott Hall was a, a mentor to me, man, back in the days. Is it? I would love to have just a single match with him. But the the best trainer I ever trained with was Al Snow. Oh yeah, Al Snow is one hell of a trainer, man. Al Snow is actually one of our all time favorite guests. He was one of the first people to ever come on the show. And the thing about the thing about Al Snow is that he was unbelievably intelligent. They made his character out to be a goof, but when you yeah. when you take him off the record and it's just him, he's got to be one of the smartest people we've ever interviewed. Brother, he's, he's a hell of a worker, too, man. I mean, just a hell of a worker. I don't know why they didn't push him more. Did you sign it? Well, thank you again for coming on the show today. Any final words for the fans? Uh, just tell them I love them. And, man, I appreciate all the support they gave me and still giving me. And um, I wouldn't, you know, do it any different. Well, excellent. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, I wish you the best of luck, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, thank you. God bless. Have a great day. You too. So that was Ahmed Johnson. Uh, again, fans, one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. So to have him on the show today, quite the honor. You've been listening to Keon Sports, the Wrestling with Legends podcast.